Merry Christmas. Uh, you get stuck with me this morning, sorry. Uh, I wanted to come up and talk to you a little bit about the Edison Boys Basketball Program. And uh, to be honest with you, it really should be called the Edison Christian Leadership Program. And that's thanks entirely to the vision of a person in this congregation named Rob Howitt and his wife Jenny. And uh, they're very humble. They will never take acknowledgement for this. But four years ago, they had a vision to step out and give something to the community far beyond coaching athletics, more on, along the lines of leadership and teaching young men how to be Christians and to be responsible for their behaviors and to think of others first. And it's something that was desperately needed in these young men's lives. Four years ago, that started with one individual named Johnny Kaiser. Today, there's 47 young men in this program and five basketball teams. And as I said, it goes way beyond basketball. It's Bible studies at our houses. It's feeding them. It's teaching them. And it's the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. So I want to thank a couple of people before I turn it over to this wonderful young lady to my right. I want to thank Rob and Jenny, first and foremost, for their vision and their commitment day in and day out. I want to thank Dr. Brian Green and his wife, Marta. Same thing. They've been involved for two or three years. Uh, Ronnie Barr's coached. Uh, Trevor Mock. Uh, Zach Miller has coached. My son, Chad, myself. There's been a lot of people involved in this program, and we could use additional help. And I'll talk a little bit more about the end, what that means. But with that, I'd really like to turn it over to this beautiful lady to my right named Angie Hernandez, who's the adult involvement coordinator at Edison. Thank you. Thank you for having us here today. Um, I have Jody Caton. I have Jackie Holzai, um, Kim Dilley, and Matt Robertson has joined us. I wanted to read. Um, <laughs> hey, if you're here, we're grabbing you. Um, I wanted to read um, a special note from Jackie Holzai. Um, she has worked very closely with Rob since this program has started. To the congregation of Wellsprings Church, Thank you, Coach Rob. Thank you, excuse me. Coach Rob has been a blessing to Edison School. Statistics say that every child needs one person to take a personal interest in them to be successful. I believe Coach Rob is the positive influence the boys of Edison need. Just a few years ago, I was introduced to Rob Howitt. He stopped by my classroom to introduce himself to me and check in on some of my boys in the classroom. I didn't realize what the length was going to be that he was going to mentor and coach the boys at Edison. As the years have gone on, I have stopped and taken notice. This year, Coach Rob, along with Brian Green and Eric Bruder, have gone above and beyond. They have not only coached the boys of the 4th, 5th, and 6th grade classes, but they have also purchased each boy new game shirts and basketball shoes. On top of the material items, they have also involved personally with each boy. They are communicating with the teachers and checking on grades and behavior. I know Coach Rob has also talked to several 6th grade boys already. And I have had boys in my class ask what they need to do to get their grades up so they can continue to play basketball. You can see the excitement in the boys' faces. They love the shoes. They can't wait for practice, and they are so excited for the games. Rob, Brian, and Eric are not only teaching basketball skills, but life skills also. Um, to set a goal, to work for it, to work hard, stay out of trouble, be a team player. I am sure this experience will be a memorable one for all of the boys as they continue through life. They will also remember that someone 
made a difference, and made them feel important and cared enough about helping them be successful. The way to sum up this letter is the quote by Dr. Seuss. The world may be one person. To the world, you may be one person. But to one person, you may be the world. I believe that these gentlemen are the one person that have made too many that have of these boys of Edison. Excuse me. Thank you. Jody Holzai. Jackie. Um, Jackie Holzai. I'm sorry. You're getting to me already. I would like to speak about Wellsprings and how they have touched our families as being the family involvement coordinator. We wouldn't be able to do some of the things we do at Edison without the help of Wellsprings, such as our fall family fun night. Um, and behind the scenes, a lot of people don't even know that they are there helping. Um, our Edison Eatery, they were there for so many hours assisting and helping me with that. Our holiday store that we just finished up, it's not um, monetary as much as it truly is the volunteer. And as Jody or Jackie has said, that it is... <laughs> It, it is truly the, the fact that you are in the children's lives that make a difference. So many of our kids need to know that there is um, someone who truly cares about them. And when they see that, um, it is a whole new world that opens up, and you have made a friend forever with them. Um, Kim Dilley, I think, is going to finish up for us. Okay, well, um, first, um, aside from the basketball, I do have... Um, Marta, who comes into my room, um, and for the last um, couple of years, who has been a wonderful, wonderful um, mentor to um, some very um, some girls who have needed it, and she has really changed their lives. So um, I know, and there's been many others that have done that. So I want to thank Wellspring for that. Um, but I teach sixth grade, and um, anyone who has ever raised sixth graders or has been around sixth graders know that that is a very hard time um, in their life, and. Um, the basketball coaches, um, Coach Rob and Coach Brian, they check in with me um, weekly and um, ask about the boys. Um, I email. I um, have their phone numbers. And the boys know that if their grades slip, if they um, misbehave or anything happens, then I'm going to call Coach Rob or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to email them. And um, the, since basketball season has started, I mean the um, behaviors and the homework and the grades have went up. And um, the behaviors have changed so much, and I just want to thank, um, you know, both Coach Rob and um, Coach Brian for that because um, it's made a world of difference. And just to have um, people out there that the boys know um, care about them is is something awesome. These kids really need people like that for them. So thank you, thank you guys. Thank you, ladies. Uh, just to just to close, don't go in place. Don't go in place just yet. Real, real quick, we'll finish up. Um, in in uh, in light of the Advent season, everybody should know we had all the costs associated with this covered through corporate sponsorship and donors. It's already covered, 100% top to bottom. But Coach Rob back there has another vision, which is to continue to teach these boys about giving and thinking of others first. And so, if any of you feel the the desire to get involved through the way of monetary donation, that'll be used to adopt a family and take these boys and have them adopt a family so they're thinking outside of their own lives as they go forward and not about me, me, me all the time. So it's a great vision Rob has. It's kind of the next phase in this little process. So if any of you feel the need to participate either with your time or a monetary donation, that's where the money will be used. So thank you. Merry Christmas.
Thank you, Eric. Thank you, Eric, and everyone else for sharing. I wanted to remind you guys, I don't have one with me, but three or four weeks ago, we passed out an Advent handout where we highlighted specific ministries each week. So if you still have that on your refrigerator or somewhere at home, um, there's no basketball games this week, obviously, because of Christmas, but the first, um, the first week of January, on that little handout, there's three games listed, one fourth grade, and one fifth grade, and one uh, sixth grade game, the time and location. So if you have an hour, usually the games are like 30 minutes or so. If you have 30 minutes to an hour to spare and want to come support the Edison basketball players, I'm sure that would mean the world to them. We're going to start off this morning by, I'm going to ask you guys a simple question. How many of you here today have ever had someone take some time to remind you of who you are? Maybe it was a teacher that pulled you aside and said, don't ever forget you're a smart kid, or a basketball player, or a basketball coach that said, hey, you're a good teammate and a great shooter, or maybe it was a parent that said that they were going to love you through thick and thin. Anyone ever had anybody say something along those lines to them? Okay, good. How many of you have had someone say just the opposite, that you were terrible at something, that you were too ugly, too fat, too skinny, not talented enough, or not smart enough to accomplish something? Yeah, all right, we're going to talk about how we can get even with those jerks today. So that's the point of the message, so Merry Christmas. Nah, <laughs> I'm just kidding. The truth, the truth is that when someone takes the time to remind us of who we are, it helps us get back on track and live in the way that God created us to live. And today we conclude our final Sunday of Advent, just four days before we celebrate Christmas. And so far, we've taken the time to examine how God is light, to how Jesus is light, to how, in spite of that light, we often still choose to walk in darkness. And today, we're going to wrap up by examining what God says is true about us and what our identity is in Him and how those of us in Christ are, in fact, the light of the world. So go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to just dive into our passage this morning. Um, turn to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It's the same verse the Bowman's read. It should be page 677 in your pew Bibles. This passage is part of Jesus' famous sermon on the mount. He saw the large crowds, and so he decided to go up on a mountainside, and he sat down. His disciples came next to him, and this is just a short section of what he uh, taught them that day. Matthew 5, starting in verse 14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And if you put yourself in the shoes of the disciples that day, you can imagine how this could have been a bit perplexing for them. Up until this point, they had witnessed with their own eyes and watched Jesus do all, give all kinds of amazing teachings. People were bringing lepers to them, people that were paralyzed. He was healing every single sick person. It tells us one chapter earlier, every single sick person that was brought to him. Large crowds were starting to follow this guy named Jesus all over the region. And in the midst of everything that they had witnessed with their own eyes, Jesus looks at them and says, you are the light of the world. And you can imagine them probably scratching their heads saying, what? 
You're the popular dude drawing all these big crowds, healing every single sick person brought to you. We're not even educated. The only thing we really know how to do is just catch fish for a living. How could you possibly say that we are the light of the world? And I think the battle that those Christians um, up on that mountainside with Jesus that day face is oftentimes the same battle that Christians in our time and place face today. The battle of forgetting our true identity. We, for, we often forget who we are and who we belong to. And if you, if you consider marriage for a moment, Scripture clearly tells us that the husband and wife, that the two have become one flesh, that they are one flesh completely united and connected physically, emotionally, and spiritually. But for those of us who are married, we don't always feel like one flesh with our spouse, right? If you do, you're probably lying, okay? I know oftentimes we discussed a couple weeks ago, our wives and our husbands can sometimes feel like a total stranger to us. Sometimes my wife and I look at each other and it's like, who, who are you? Like, what, what have you done with my husband? What have you done with my wife? And the truth is that if we're going to be the light to the world and live lives that glorify our Father in heaven, we have to be rooted in our identity and we have to know what's true of us. Because if we can get that right, if we're solid in understanding who we are, And what God says is true about us, it affects every area of our lives. So we're going to take some time and do a little exercise, not CrossFit or aerobics, but a little spiritual exercise, and see what Scripture tells us is true about us for those of us who are in Christ. So this is obviously only going to apply to people who call themselves Christians, but the truth is that we often need to be reminded. So we're going to put up four or five passages up here. And I'm going to give you guys a little homework. I'm going to give you guys two or three minutes of silence to look these up and just uh, read them and and reflect on them. Uh, Feel free, I'd even encourage you to write down maybe your observations in your bulletin. And as you're reading these, maybe kind of consider which one of these descriptions really resonates with you. Or maybe which one of these descriptions is just most difficult for you to believe for whatever reason that might be. So after a few minutes of silence, we'll reflect on these and just have a a short discussion. So go ahead and just look these up on your own.
All right, let's take a minute and hear from you guys now. Maybe which of those descriptions resonated the most with you? Or which one is most difficult for you to believe? Which one resonated the most with you? Maybe which one's most difficult for you to believe? Anyone? Regarding what is true about our identity. Yeah, that we're no longer slaves to sin. That God has set us free and will always be there for us to rescue us when uh, temptation comes. Good. What else? Well, which one resonated the most with you? Or is most difficult to believe? Devin. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he says Roman eight, Romans 8 is the most difficult to take hold of because he doesn't feel like he's capable of loving in that kind of magnitude. That's good. Maybe one more person. Yes, Charlotte. Yeah. 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 Love being reminded that we're all God's children. Those are great. So I'm going to do just a recap of what we just read. So here's what's true about us who are in Christ. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. We're loved more than we could ever imagine. We are the pleasing aroma of Christ. I love that one. God looks at us with favor and blessing. We're a royal priesthood. We're called a holy nation belonging to the body of Christ and being set apart for relationship with him. We're God's special possession. We belong completely to him. We are his children, and he is our father. And on top of that, we are the light of the world. That is who we are for those of us who are in Christ. And that is what's true of us. Obviously not because of anything that we've done, but all because of his grace and how he lives within us. That is incredible. Do we believe that, though? Do we actually believe that and receive that every day and live into that reality? If you think back for a moment up to the story when Jesus was um, in the wilderness and he was tempted by Satan, Scripture tells us we know he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. His body was weak. If you've ever went 40 days without eating, you're probably pretty weak and vulnerable. I can't even imagine. And so at one of his weakest and most vulnerable times, Satan comes to attack Jesus to try to tempt him to get him just to sin, just to sin one time. And out of every lie and deceit, and trick, and scheme that he could have thrown Jesus' way, he chose to specifically target Jesus' identity. That's where he attacked. He said, if you are in fact the Son of God, if that's who you are, then turn these stones into bread. And after failing in that temptation, Satan said again, if you are the Son of God, if that's who you really are, then throw yourself down from this temple. Surely the angels will catch you and lift you up. If Satan's primary attack against God himself, Jesus Christ, was against his identity, how much harder is he going to target us in our identity? He wants us to believe every lie that the world throws at us. He wants us to believe that our identity is completely wrapped up in our beauty or success or status. And if you're anything like me, you often forget what your identity is. And for most of my life, when I've 
had times where I felt completely disconnected from God or filled with guilt and shame because of my sin or when I've let other people tell me who I am, my default mode is to usually try to do more and work harder. I try to read the Bible more and pray more and go to church more and spend time with, with more Christians. And it, what's, what was driving all of that usually is this false belief that I have to earn my acceptance from God. I have to strive, I have to do more to earn his approval. And that makes me exhausted. I have lived that way for 31 years and it makes me exhausted. And I'm just now becoming aware of that. And if you're like me in any way like that, it leads to burnout. Completely false. And looking back now, what I needed to do was allow God to remind me of who I really am in Christ. To remind myself that sin doesn't control me anymore. Like Kit said, that I'm loved more than I could imagine. That I'm his son, his favor rests on me, and that there's no condemnation for those of us in Christ. Because when we know who we are and whose we are, that's huge. When we know who we are and whose we are, it changes the way that we view God, ourselves, and everyone around us. In his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, author Henry Nouwen had this to say about the light of Christ that dwells within us. He wrote, People who have come to know the joy of God do not deny the darkness, but they choose not to live in it. They claim that the light that shines in the darkness can be trusted more than the darkness itself, and that a little bit of light can dispel a lot of darkness. They point each other to flashes of light here and there and remind each other that they reveal the hidden but real presence of God. A major part of God's role in our lives is reminding us of who we are. He does that primarily through his word, obviously. He speaks to us through his spirit. And he uses other Christians to remind us of who we are as well. About four or five months ago, I was at a really, really low point in my life. It was kind of on a specific day. I felt the weight of just my sin and the world was kind of on my shoulders. Um, I really thought there was something wrong with me. It was one of those days it was like your pet's heads are falling off. Just everything was horrible. You know what I'm saying? A little uh, dumb and dumber there. So I called up um, my friend Dave Hine, and I said, told him how f- just uh, fragile I was, and I was like, man, if you have a few minutes, I would love to just talk and get some things off my chest. I need some guidance. I, I need to just share some of this with someone. And thankfully, he agreed uh, to meet with me. And after I poured my guts out to him, I told him, I know there's something wrong with, with how I'm wired. I, this is, I'm just messed up. He reminded me of who I was, and I will never forget this. He looked at me, and he said, there's nothing wrong with you. He said, dude, that's bull. He said, you're believing a lie. You're believing a lie that the devil has convinced you is true about yourself. And he said, God is not looking down on you in disgust or disgrace, but he wants you to experience freedom. That's God's desire for you. He said he loves you more than you could ever imagine, Justin. You're his son. That's your identity. Live into that identity. I needed to hear that that day. That got me back on track, centered my heart, centered my mind, and helped me to live into who I really am, not what the world says I am. 
And just as one of God's major roles in our lives is reminding us of who we are, it's also one of our major roles as Christians, reminding our brothers and sisters of who they are in Christ. Our friend who's insecure of his career choice needs to be reminded that he's not defined by his work. Our friend that just recently got a divorce needs to know that she's not unlovable, but that she's deeply loved by her Heavenly Father. And when we take the time to do that for our brothers and sisters, we remind them of who they are in Christ, we remind ourselves too, and our own spirit is encouraged. Our own spirit is encouraged of who we are when we take the time to go out of ourselves and remind people of who they are in Christ. And just as Jesus came to earth around 2,000 years ago and was a light to all mankind, we've got to ask the question if we're reflecting his light in a similar way. And the starting point is understanding that as believers, we are in Christ, and what's true of him is true of us. And that sounds crazy to say. What's true of him is true of us. Not that we're God, obviously. Not that we're perfect, struggling sinners every day. But John 15 tells us that we are in Christ and he lives in us through his spirit. What's true of him is true of us. Since he's the light of the world, we are now also the light of the world, whether we feel like it or not, whether we even want to believe it or not, that's who we are in Christ. So if we're the light of the world, we've got to consider where we're leading people, right? If we are these lights that are to shine bright. This might sound crazy. Consider Las Vegas for a minute. If you've ever been to Vegas, Vegas has a lot of lights. I've spent some time in Amsterdam. Amsterdam has a lot of lights, and so does Vegas. But they're not leading people to good places. If you've ever been to those cities, you know those lights aren't leading anyone to good places. Are we leading people to the cross of Christ? We're his representatives here on earth. We're supposed to shine bright. Where are we leading them? Um, Christian author Michael Frost, he had this to say. He said, we need to ask ourselves today, what kind of life would be considered so intriguing, so questionable, so unlikely that people would ask us about our faith? And just going to church on Sunday morning is not that intriguing. Christians have to rediscover what it is to evoke curiosity. I love that. Christians have to rediscover what it is to evoke curiosity. Are we allowing the light of Christ to shine so brightly through us that it evokes curiosity to the people that we work with, to our relatives, to our neighbors, to our friends? Do people look at our lives and scratch their head and say, I want to know more about this God that you serve because your life doesn't even make sense. How can you love that person? I can't stand them. Why do those people open their house every week to these neighborhood kids and let them come and hang out and have a meal? I don't get it. Why do they give so generously of their time and money and resources? And the implications of us living into our identity is huge. Because if we are able to live into our identity and remind others of who they are in Christ, we'll play a major role in strengthening believers and strengthening the body of Christ as a whole towards maturity and righteous living. But if we fail to believe, this is huge, if we fail to believe who we are in Christ, we fail to let him shine through us, and if we fail to remind others of who they are in Christ, 
we're going to have very little encouragement to offer anyone. Very little strength or hope to offer anyone. If that's the way we'll live, then we're going to live in complacency, discontentment, and discouragement because we will seek our identity and fulfillment from anyone and everything but Christ himself. If we choose to forget who we are and not remind others of who they are, we'll seek our identity and fulfillment from anyone and everything but Christ himself. Christmas is an invitation to light and life. An invitation to maybe receive Jesus for the first time for some of us. An invitation to allow God to remind us of who we are if we've been following Christ for a while. And to be reminded of what it is, what it means to have Jesus living inside of us through his spirit. And to remind us that we are the light of the world. Whether we feel like it or not. And that it's our responsibility and our privilege to shine brightly to others in a way that leads them to Christ himself. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. God, we are so humbled to realize